bringing you key insights, tips, and advice from the brightest minds in the Canadian franchising industry. This is the Franchise Canada Chats Podcast. My name's Trisha. And I'm Andrew. And thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast where every week we sit down with franchisors and franchisees to help you learn more about the world of franchising. And today we're talking with Canadian franchise management consultant Wayne Millett. For over 25 years, Wayne has delivered practical advice in all aspects of franchise operations to entrepreneurs across the globe. Prior to consulting, Wayne worked for established brands such as Keg Steakhouse, Uniglobe Travel, and Realty World. In this episode, we discuss his book, Franchising Demystified. You can purchase it at cfa.ca or with a CFA starter kit. We discuss the top 10 qualities of a successful franchisee, how to determine if franchising is the right fit for you, the signs of a strong franchise system, the methods franchisees can take advantage of to resolve its disputes, and so much more. So without further ado, here's our podcast with Wayne Millette. Hi, Wayne. How are you doing? I am very well. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, so let's just jump right in. Tell us about your background. Yeah, I have been involved in franchising now for over 32 years, since 1987. And I've uh, been involved in numerous franchises in a variety of different industries. Um, although the businesses were different, I find the relationship and the principles of franchising have been the same. Hmm. And what inspired you to write Franchising Demystified? Yeah, I I often see franchisees have misunderstandings uh, about franchising and what it entails, and it leads to frustration for both the, the franchisor and the franchisee. So mm-hmm. it's hoped that Franchising Demystified will eliminate some of these misconceptions and allow the franchisee to maximize the benefits of a franchise and ultimately their return on investment. Mm. And Wayne, what are some of those misconceptions that people might have about the franchise model? Yeah, and it does vary from individual to individual. One of the common ones that I find is franchisees believe that they've bought the business, therefore they can do whatever they want. Uh, It's an ownership mentality. The reality is franchising is not an ownership relationship, but rather a licensing relationship. And I like to draw the analogy of a driver's license. So you don't go to the store and buy a driver's license and therefore own it. Instead, you have to apply. You have to be accepted that driver's license has a term. At the end of the term, you have to renew your driver's license. And and the driver's license comes with certain rights, the right to drive on the road, but it comes with obligations. You have to follow the rules of the road. And, mm-hmm. and those rules of the road are created so as to create consistency so that we're all driving relatively the same way. As long as you follow the rules of the road, there's no issue. But if you stop following the rules of the road, depending upon the severity, you can lose your license. Mm-hmm. Franchise licensing is very similar. Uh, you have to conform to the brand and to the franchisor's rules of the road. 
and they're put in place so as to project a consistent message message to the customer and so that the brand is protected. And That's I like in every the, franchisee's interest. Yeah. And I like the analogy of uh, like it being a driver's license. And so like kind of going on with that, um, you know, before you go get a driver's license, there's a bunch of prerequisites, there's a bunch of things you have to do beforehand. What are the things that you know, prospective franchise ha franchisees have to do before they um, consider or even buy a franchise? Huh. Uh, certainly you need to do your homework. Uh, mm -hmm. The first step I, I suggest is do a self-assessment, do some soul searching. You know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What's your passion? Mm -hmm. uh, are you comfortable in doing cold calling and sales? Or do you prefer management, managing employees? Mm -hmm. Do you have your family's support? In the short term, what is the income you need to make to maintain your current standard of living? Are you willing to follow a system? So really assessing uh, if this is right for you. And franchising isn't right for everybody. What would, what would you say to a, uh, someone interested in getting into franchising who might be, you know, a little hesitant to follow a system in terms of, you know, what are the benefits of following a system of an established brand in, as opposed to going at it on your own? Yeah, so the benefit in terms of following the, the rules of the road that a franchisor puts in place, the biggest benefit is the brand is protected from a customer's perspective. They are going to each location and getting the same level of service, they're getting the same product. If every location was different, the brand would become diluted and you'd lose the benefit of a franchise. But some of the other benefits of a franchising is, in addition to becoming part of an established brand, or I should also clarify a future established brand, some, there's a lot of startup franchises that are doing a great job. You're also getting a proven business model you don't have to learn through trial and error. You've got group buying power with suppliers that'll often save money and ensure quality product. There's cooperative marketing that can lower your cost compared to spending those monies independently. Ongoing operational support, uh, initial training and ongoing training, research and development with the testing of new products and services, easier access to finance, uh, access to higher profile locations, lots of benefits. Ultimately, you're, you're still on your own, but you're not alone anymore. You've got a lot of support. Mm -hmm. And so how do you determine if that franchise is the right fit for you? I mean, besides the support and the other great benefits that you mentioned, you know, as a new, as a prospective franchisee, how would I know if this is the right fit for, for me? Um, well, again, every everybody's different, and what's right for you may not be right for somebody else. So you have mm -hmm. to find the franchise that's the fit for you. In terms of uh, identifying what a strong franchise system is, uh, and if it's a fit for you, it's doing your homework, doing your research. So a strong franchise system is going to help you in achieving your financial goals. It's going to be what you're passionate about and that you're going to embrace. 
A strong franchise system should be focused on what is in the best interest of the customer, because it's by getting and keeping customers that you truly build a solid business. Uh, strong franchise systems will have effective and comprehensive manuals, training programs, will have excellent franchisee relationships, uh, a culture of continuous improvement, and a, a participatory participative style of management where franchisees are often involved and given an opportunity to provide input, usually through focus groups or advisory councils. So how you find out if that particular franchise has those things is doing your research, asking questions, talking to existing franchisees. And what what do they what do you need to consider from a financial perspective? What do you need to have in line on that end before even thinking about uh, investing in a franchise? Well, first thing you need to do is um, determine how much money you have available that you're prepared to invest. What's mm -hmm. your investment range? There's franchise opportunities and a wide variety of investment ranges. So by knowing what your investment dollars are, it's going to narrow down your choice. Because uh, there's hundreds of options. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of knowing how much uh, you require to invest in each franchise, franchisors are more than willing to share that. And you'll find it also in their disclosure document which uh, as part of your research, you'll want to get a copy of the franchisor's disclosure document. Mm -hmm. uh, it's required by law in certain provinces, and but even if it's not required by law, if you ask most franchisors at some, some step of the review process, they're happy to give you a copy. In that disclosure, it outlines the total investment dollars and where those investment dollars go. And so part of a strong system, like you mentioned before, is training. And in your book, you outlined two types of training, ongoing and initial training. Can you tell us the difference between the two? Yeah. So the initial training is really the foundation of a strong franchise system. The training and the manuals create consistent duplication of the business model. And a brand is strongest when the customer is having, as we talked about earlier, that same experience each time they visit one of the locations. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's this brand consistency, it's created through the training. Initial training is typically mandatory, and they'll even have in the franchise agreement that if you don't successfully complete it, you're often required to repeat the training until all the skills are learned. Wow. A like a little bit like that driver's license. Yeah. <laughs> the driver's license without completing, successfully completing the training. How long does that training usually last for initial training? Do you, is there oh, like a. Oh, it, it varies from mm -hmm. a week to a month. Okay. Uh, it depends on the, it depends on, depends on the brand, depends on the business. Uh, and it also depends on your background. If you have a background in the industry, uh, sometimes they can shorten that training, but if you have no background in the industry, then uh, it's going to take a little bit longer. You'd also have about the ongoing training. Yeah. And ongoing, it's designed to continue to develop your skills 
uh, as a franchisee and introduce new products or services. Uh, you know, a license can sometimes be 5, 10, 15 years and mm -hmm. things change. So mm -hmm. as a franchisee, you need to be trained in current uh, new products, services, or system-wide enhancement changes within the franchise. The, uh, the other benefit of the ongoing training is providing training to your existing or new employees, uh, mm -hmm. and that can help you a lot. Uh, sometimes the training is in class, but now it's often online through webinars or video files, so easy access. Would you see it as a red flag if a uh, franchise system didn't have ongoing, like they didn't offer ongoing training to their franchisees? Yeah, I I can't imagine every franchisor that I've been involved in it, it has some ongoing training. Now it might be it might be formal, it might be informal, mm -hmm. uh, but you know when you're business coaches visiting your location, they're often providing training, or it might be an annual conference where the training is introduced to all the franchisees at the same time through a conference. But if there was no ongoing training, mm -hmm. that would indicate that there's no ongoing development for the brand. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the brand could become dated. Mm -hmm. uh, from I, your... I'd, be, I'd be concerned. Yeah, okay. <laughs> And, uh, you know, from your experience with working with uh, franchisees and franchisors, is, is there a specific type of ongoing training that works best with, with franchisees? Uh, the, uh, well, uh, in addition to in-class training, uh, the, some of the best training is actual practical experience. So working at an existing location um, is, is excellent training. Got it. And Wayne, you mentioned that, you know, a lot of the training uh, is dependent on that particular franchisee's experience. Um, how important is it that the franchisee has a background in whatever category they're investing in? Do you necessarily need to be, you know, involved in health and fitness, for example, to invest in a health and fitness franchise? Or are there even some benefits to, you know, going in, you know, without any experience in that particular field. Yeah, and Andrew, sometimes having experience in that particular field can be a challenge because mm -hmm. now you have to maybe unlearn certain things and be receptive to new approaches. Uh, there's really no um, specific education or experience that's required to apply for a franchise in most cases. Um, it can most cases experience can be learned it can be experienced ultimately it's your abilities and your personal qualities that will dictate your success and then franchisors as part of a, a review process they're interviewing you to determine if you have those qualities mm -hmm. and like in fact in we you know we spoke to a franchisor in the home care or sorry the home maintenance field and they actually said they prefer people with no experience in yeah. home so why like why yeah. might that be preferable well as i mentioned earlier it's because you've got to reteach them and right. some people they're so uh it's so uh ingrained in them that it's difficult right. to get them out of those habits and doing something new 
and but there's other franchises where they do require uh, specific training before they would award you a franchise. Right. So every franchise is different, and it's one of the questions you got to ask when you're looking at a brand. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I know one of the one of my favorite parts in the book was chapter three when you outline the top ten qualities of a successful franchisee. Uh, we're not going to go through all of them, <laughs> but if we could, if I can throw like one at you, like each maybe five qualities, and then we could, if you could explain each one in detail about why it's important for a franchisee to to have that quality. Um, so the first one here uh, is ownership, accountability, and responsibility. Yeah. So successful franchisees understand that ultimately they're responsible for their success. They take ownership as opposed to others that might place blame, make excuses, or be in denial. Uh, when you're faced with a challenge, a, a strong franchisee will say, okay, how am I going to, they take ownership and say, okay, how am I going to fix this? There's, there's resources and there's help, but ultimately that franchisee is responsible. Mm -hmm. uh, financial ability. Yeah, one of the biggest reasons why businesses fail, one of the reasons, is uh, they're undercapitalized. So you want to ensure that you have sufficient funds to finance the creation of the business and allow for the working capital during the startup phase of business. Because you may not be profitable right from day one, so you need the funds to carry you until the business is generating positive cash flow. Mm -hmm. Customer service focus. Ultimately, business success is about attracting and retaining customers. This mm -hmm. is how you build a long-term viable business. And if you focus on the customer, everything else, uh, there's there's flexibility, but uh, it's the customer that's going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. uh, realistic expectations. Yeah. Um, successful franchisees are not expecting to get rich overnight. They realize that it's going to be a lot of hard work uh, to build the business. And so they're going in knowing how much work is involved, how long it's gonna take. Uh, and especially in the startup phase, you're looking at some long hours. So uh, and one other, I'm not sure if you'll mention it, but one of the things you wanna ensure is that you've got the family support, uh, support you during this business. If the spout is actively involved in the business, that's a huge help. And you mentioned uh, uh, disclosure documents earlier. Um, how, how are those helpful in terms of, you know, setting those expectations? Yeah. By the way, I wanted to um, add to those qualities of a successful franchise before we leave that topic. If, if you look at that list, we talked about five, if you look at the 10, most are not a reflection of education or skills, but instead their attitude. Mm -hmm. uh, and the skills can be taught. Okay, Andrew, what was your other question? Well, Sorry, I got well, distracted. I, was, I wasn't trying to divert. I was just, uh, you know, in um, speaking in terms of expectations, you know, what, you know, because I know disclosure documents might provide some insight there in terms of, you know, preparing uh, franchisee for what you know might lie ahead in terms of you know financial gain that type of thing. 
So how are franchise disclosure documents helpful in that regard? Yeah. So the disclosure document has, uh, in many cases, they do not provide earnings claims. I'd say today it's about 50%. So, so in some cases, you can get a sense of how much money you're going to make, but not always. But where there's other information is invaluable is things like it'll give you a copy of the franchise agreement. It'll give you a, a copy of the franchisor's financial statement so that you can know that with confidence they're financially stable and they're going to be around. It provides you with names and phone numbers of all the franchisees. Uh, great resource that you can contact them and learn more about the brand and the franchisor from a franchisee's perspective. Uh, there's quite a bit of information. Uh, we all, I always encourage uh, a franchisee, prospective franchisee, have the franchise agreement and disclosure document uh, reviewed by a lawyer with franchising experience. They can ensure that the document addresses, the franchise agreement addresses the issues found in most franchise agreements and that it's ultimately protecting you and, and the system. I think we still had one more quality that we didn't cover, uh, willingness to follow a system to a T. I know you've mentioned this uh, earlier, but I guess if you want to reiterate why that's important to our audience. Yeah, it's uh, a brand is created through uniformity and that customer having a consistent experience. Uh, franchisees, they have to be team players and coachable. They have to be willing to listen to feedback and make adjustments. And, and it works both ways. Franchisor also needs to be willing to listen too to feedback. And uh, franchisees, because they're at the front of the lines, front of the line and dealing directly with the customer, they may see opportunities to make changes. So, uh, strong relationship is willingness uh, to uh, listen and give feedback on both sides. Um, and you, all, you mentioned that, you know, it's a good idea to have a lawyer with a specialty in franchising look at the disclosure document. What other, you know, what other um, types of professionals might it be a good idea to have, um, have your back in terms of consultants when looking into a franchise? Yeah, an accountant can help you uh, uh, in terms of putting together projections, making sure that you've addressed all the expenses, you haven't missed something, and help, helping you in, uh, hopefully that accountant has dealt with other startup businesses so they can get a sense of what's realistic in terms of growth to build a business to the point of generating um, positive cash flow. Another resource is a franchise consultant. They can often help you in considering opportunities that you might not have considered and also doing that assessment uh, where you do some soul searching to find out what's going to be the best business for you. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What's your passion? Probably the best resource, uh, franchisor obviously, is the franchisees, talking to the franchisees, asking them questions. And you're going to discover with pretty well every franchise system I've been involved in, there's some franchisees that are extremely happy. Uh, it's exceeding their expectations. And then there's other franchisees where it's not meeting their expectations. 
expectations, and they may not be happy. As a as a prospective franchisee doing your research, you want to talk to both so that you have a full understanding. And so, you know, if you're if you when you do sign the agreement and you become a franchisee and then you decide, you know, down the road to renew this agreement, do you need to go back and refer like go back to lawyers and the same consultants again or how does that process kind of work? Yeah. Um, so when you renew, you got to understand some of these licenses are five, 10, 15 years mm -hmm. and things change. Um, and so you need to review that agreement uh, and recognize what the changes are. Many franchise agreements now, they say that um, upon renewal, the royalty could be different. So your financial commitments could be different. Uh, that could change your financial returns. So you want to talk to an accountant in, in doing an assessment. You mm -hmm. want to talk to a lawyer and looking how the uh, obligations have changed. Uh, and these changes could be a reflection of new technology or might even be adjustments to the territories due to changes in population and demographic new, te new technology. Um, when I first started, it was franchise agreements that were saying all communication was to be done by telex. I don't even know where <laughs> you would find a telex machine today. Sorry, under audience, but could you let us know what telex <laughs> is? Because I'm not sure. <laughs> if, in fact, you know what a telex machine is. But uh, things change. Right. So the other thing that you want to keep in mind when you're uh, renewing is there may be costs associated with renewal. Often there's a, a renewal fee, but there's also potential costs to have to upgrade your location with uh, leasehold improvements, signage, or equipment. So those need to be taken into account. And in some cases, one of your resources is going to the bank to get some financing. And if, when, if you run into any sort of dispute with the franchise or like even before you renew, you know, sometimes things do happen. Uh, what, what, how do you solve any sort of disputes that arise as a franchisee? Yeah, so uh, Trisha, great question. As with any long-term relationships, there may, may be times when you don't agree mm -hmm. and there is a dispute. And as with any relationship, many issues can be resolved with open communication and discussion. So if you're in a disagreement with the franchisor, have those open, candid discussions. Sit down, keep an open. Now, both parties need to keep an open mind and respect the other's point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, as a franchisee, you may not be aware of the research and the logic that went into certain decisions of the franchisor. At the same time, the franchisor, uh, they may not be aware of the actual practical application and things that might be unique to specific market. So, uh, so our operational issues. So every, both parties need to keep an open mind and be prepared to listen. Mm -hmm. Now, if either party is not prepared to have open communication, you, you do have other options. Uh, the Canadian Franchise Association has an ombudsman. Ombudsman? How do you pronounce that? Ombudsman? No. Sorry. Is it ombudsman or ombudsman? 
Obansman, I believe. There you go. So it's a free program for its uh, association members, and both the franchisee or the franchisor may contact this program who will listen to both sides and try to facilitate this communication and exploring alternative resolutions. If that doesn't work, then there's mediation, which is non-binding, and it's done through a professional mediator to help in providing solutions. Or there's arbitration, which is binding, and it's facilitated usually by a, a lawyer or a judge. Okay. If you still can't find agreement, then there's the option of last resort, which is going to court. Well, that can be very costly, time-consuming, and it can take sometimes years. And it's very hard at that point to maintain a, an ongoing relationship. Wow. Um, are there are there any ways to like minimize like uh, some sort of like any sort of like these franchisee franchise or disputes beforehand? Is there uh, communication? I, mm -hmm. I think is the key, uh, sure. and that will uh, that'll avoid lot of the disputes. Often the dispute is a result of a misunderstanding or just a lack of communication. Mm. I think maybe what Trisha, you know, what Trisha is playing on is perhaps, you know, a franchisee um, maybe not agreeing with, you know, a system-wide initiative. You know, what could be done there if a franchisee feels that, you know, um, a new initiative isn't right for their particular unit, for example? Yeah. Yeah, same same solution. It's sitting right. down with the franchisor, having that open, candid conversation, and be open-minded and respectful respectful of both points of view. So you might not be aware of the research and the logic that went into that new product or that new service. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, franchisor may not be aware of certain operational issues or differences in markets. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it, it's open-minded on both sides. Right, I guess what I'm asking, well, uh, yeah, go ahead. A, a lot of um, these decisions, strong franchisors have franchisees participating in the decision-making process, either through a uh, franchisee advisory council or through specific focus groups. So the franchisor is taking into account franchisees' perspective. That that will minimize a lot of disputes. Yeah, and like you, you know, as your book is titled in terms of demystifying franchise franchising, I um a lot of people might have the misconception that, you know, a franchise system is very rigid and there isn't room there isn't really room to divert from a system should such a dispute arise. But in your experience, you know, how flexible are franchisors in terms of working with their individual franchisees in terms of, in, in, you know, yeah. possibly not sticking to the system or do, approaching it a different way? So things evolve, things change mm -hmm. over time. Ultimately, what the franchisor facilitates is all the franchisors changing over time and moving in the same direction. If everybody's doing something different, the brand becomes diluted right. and we want to protect the brand. Mm -hmm. There's there's room for flexibility, but 
typically a franchisor wants the beta test at first, and then they would unroll it throughout the system. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the the key is consistency. Mm -hmm. So if when franchising does, when you you're, are a successful franchisee um, and it's going really well, it's, it, you usually use suppliers and uh, you have the help of support services to keep the business running. Um, but in your book, you talk about the dangers of using non-approved suppliers. Can you talk about that and what are the steps that franchisees can take to avoid um, situations? Yeah, the danger of non-approved suppliers is if everybody's, all the franchisees are using different suppliers, A, we lose, the franchisees lose that volume pricing, mm. which uh, is a great benefit of a franchise. Also, the product consistency gets diminished. Uh, quality of the products could be different from supplier to supplier. And from a franchisor's perspective, they can't manage that anymore because of all the different suppliers. Now, if you find, if a franchisee finds uh, another supplier that has better pricing and or better quality product, let the franchisor know. And then they can use that to go to the existing supplier and say, hey, we, we need to make some changes. And if that existing supplier is not prepared or able to make those changes, then the franchisor can change suppliers so that all the franchisees can benefit from that lower price or uh, better quality product. That's, that's the great thing about a franchise mm -hmm. is you're, you're on your own, but you're not, you're not alone. You have mm -hmm. everybody working on your behalf to help you. It's like we say here, you're in, you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I guess, can you sum up why franchising is an ideal career choice? Franchising has had huge success and has allowed many individuals to achieve their dream and their goals. Uh, a franchise supports you in building your business. You still have to build it. It provides you a vehicle to achieve what you want out in life. It may be uh, long-term providing more flexible lifestyle, and it may provide a greater income. It can provide you with job security, which uh, certain provinces uh, right now, they're looking for job security. Uh, the ability to build an asset that you can turn over to your children or you can sell and that could contribute to your retirement. Uh, there's there's a lot of benefits to mm -hmm. franchising. So what would as your number a, as being a career choice? Okay, perfect. And so what would your number one piece of advice be for anyone looking to become a franchisee? Yeah, don't uh, don't make your business decision based on misinformation or misconception. Mm. Not all franchises are the same, and we've talked to generalities today. Uh, most franchisors have a process to guide you through the expo exploration of their particular franchise. Mm -hmm. Take your time to do your due diligence and your research and find the opportunity that's right for you. Every opportunity is different. Talk to existing franchisees in the system. Use the resources of a franchise consultant, a lawyer, an accountant, 
Uh, even the Canadian Franchise Association, they have a fabulous, fabulous website where it lists all the members of the CFA and it's broken down by product category and investment range. So you can see all the opportunities that are available to you. Wayne, would you like to, you know, do a little franchise fun? This is a segment where we ask you some, you know, questions to get to know you on a more personal level. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> is that... <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't send me those. No, we didn't. <laughs> um, we like to call these sentence starters, so I'll just uh, throw half a sentence your way, and if you could just complete it, that will be having franchise fun. I'll try. Most, okay. Uh, the most interesting thing you've done recently is travel travel to uh travel to italy for three weeks it was fun and in its best form work is doing what you have a passion for enjoying it where it's not really work i um i get up every day and i love what i do and and we have to, you know, we've touched on it throughout the podcast, but, uh, you know, if in one sentence, uh, what is a good franchisee? A good franchisee is a franchisee that's prepared to follow a system and recognizes that their success is ultimately dependent upon them and their efforts. And the same for a good franchisor. Yes. Yeah. Franchisor is doing what's not in the best interest of the franchise or maybe not what's in the best interest of the franchisee, but ultimately what's in the best interest of the customer and in getting and generating customers. Although every perspective needs to be considered, uh, the franchisor, the customer is ultimately what makes the difference. And what is the most important thing in life to you? That's a deep one. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, health and happiness. Nice. What is one of the most enjoyable things you do when you're not, you know, in franchising? Uh, traveling. Yeah. And what is the hardest thing for you to do? Uh, slowing down and uh, stopping to smell the roses. And who has had the, you know, the most positive influence on you as, you know, a franchise professional? Uh, there was, when I first started in franchising in the mid 80s, I worked for a uh, real estate franchisor for seven years. And the president of that company uh, really took me under his wing and uh, uh, taught me a lot of the principles of franchising and uh, he was a huge influence and that's why I'm still in franchising today. And to wrap things up, you know, here at the CFA, we say that franchising is all about growing together. What is, what is Canadian franchising to you? Um, well, I, I don't see Canadian franchising as being different from uh, American franchising or uh, France franchising. Around the world, the principles are the same, and it's creating uniformity where we can accomplish more uh, 
in business than we can if we each operated independently. Don't forget to subscribe to the Franchise Canada Chats podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.